Well, that was a good old-fashioned ass-kicking, Raj. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure where to take this one. I was writing notes, you know, as I try to do, and I realized how um, unnecessary that was after about, I think, like the six-minute mark of the first quarter. It was pretty much mm-hmm. over, so... I'm not really sure where you want to go with this this one. So where where would you want to? Well, I guess we can kind of let more people get in here. We'll go for a little while and then kind of let people as well um, vent their frustrations. I'm sure there's a lot of people who would like to kind of come up and I guess say their piece. Um, but there is a game coming up. So where would you where would you want to take this? So okay, like I'm kind of with you. There's not a whole lot to take. There, I had a handful of things that I want to touch on, but there's not too much to take away from a game when a team quits the way that the Lakers did. Um, but, uh, I mean, like there, there's no real way to sugarcoat, uh, what happened out there that they, they, uh, went into a huge playoff game, um, on the road. And I think one of the things you and I glossed over when we were, uh, prepping for this is we failed to account for the fact that a lot of these guys, you know, Alex Caruso, I mean, Dennis Schroeder's had some playoff games that he's been a part of, but none that re- none that resemble this, like really high pressure games for a team that has expectations. And uh, uh, Dennis hasn't really been in a spot like that. You know, uh, a lot of these guys were a little bit, I thought, shell shocked. Drummond was another big one who was who was shell shocked. And and I think that uh, uh, they let go of the rope. And and that's what happens when you let go of the rope on the road in front of, you know, 17,000 ravenous fans in a young team. Um, that's really riding that wave the way that the Suns were. Uh, but I'm with you. I don't want to spend too much time talking about it. We'll hit on the, the few things uh, that, that we want to touch on. And then I, I think we should just get some of you guys, the fans up here, to, to vent a little bit and uh, get some of your frustrations off, off of your chest. Uh, um, I guess where, where I wanted to start, Raj, is in the first quarter, I thought that the Laker uh, role players – were obviously shook and it manifested by them not wanting to take open threes. And uh, there was a a specific play that I tweeted about where LeBron drove, uh, uh, worked, worked uh, to a matchup that he liked and then beat his man to the basket, drawed an extra defender, kind of jumped out of bounds and just threw a scoop pass to the corner to Schroeder and uh, Schroeder pumped and didn't take the open shot, at which point the Lakers had to reset. And they ran an action with with uh, Drummond and Schroeder, and he ended up missing a, a much more difficult contested jumper. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, what's the point of having LeBron do all that work to draw all that attention if you don't want to shoot the ball? Um, and then Kuz's first possession comes in, wide open corner three, doesn't take it. And I, and I thought that was so bizarre, just the mentality of the team. What, what did you notice early in the game? as far as the Lakers and their approach uh, from the start. Yeah. So like, I think they actually went up what, like five, nothing or seven, nothing. Right. I don't think Phoenix Mm -hmm. was kind of hitting shots early. And then Devin Booker kind of hit his first three, which kind of showed how the game was going to go. I thought he had a bunch of tough shots in the first. He got a nice whistle. Um, He got a bunch of and ones um, that really got him going and got the crowd going. I thought the crowd was a huge part of this. Like it wasn't the reason the Lakers lost this game, but you can totally tell the difference between like this capacity and like what's going on in Staples Center. But that's no excuse for these guys to be passing up shots. I thought Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma um, passing up those threes were just huge for the Suns. They just continue to pack the paint 
people were telling LeBron to drive. There were just no lanes, um, especially with Andre Drummond there. He got pulled early, so Frank Vogel went with Marcus Saul, um, and I think he put in Caruso as well for Schroeder with uh, in like six minutes, in six quick minutes. And then Gasol got attacked in ball screen actions, which I thought they would. And Lakers just could not shoot, man. Gasol couldn't hit a three. Caruso was also kind of passing some up. KCP um, still isn't himself, and that really just took the game off. Um, I thought LeBron would be a little bit more kind of aggressive um, to come out, but it just seemed like the whole team was kind of ready to just go to game six, right? Like, I think that was, Oh yeah. that's what the vibe felt like. And maybe Anthony Davis being like a game time decision kind of just really messed with it. I don't know. I don't know if that's the reasoning uh, we're not in there, but just him kind of maybe about to play. And once he wasn't playing, it's like the whole team kind of just took a breath and was like, okay, game six it is. And, and the whole team kind of felt like that in that first quarter. It was just sad. They had 10 points, I think, with like three minutes left in the first um, just could not score. And then Devin Booker hitting those shots. Campaign came in and pretty much punked all our guards, went straight to the rim. Um, I think you said just, it. Just punked them, man. Ex- Absolutely punked them. Exactly. And that was the sad part to me. It's like the, there's, like a, there's like a competitiveness that should show up. Um, when a guy is just taking you right off the dribble, Campaign wasn't even getting screened sometimes. It was just one-on-one um, straight line drives. And that's really what killed us, I thought, early. And then the game was over. I mean, you're down 25 in like the second half in the second quarter, like six minutes left. Where do you, where do you go from there? Um, so that's kind of how I saw this game started. Uh, it was a, it was a really poor effort and uh, you can't just concede games in seven game series. You, they already conceded game one. They talked about it. You they can't come- concede games. Exactly. You're absolutely right, Raj. Exactly. And, and that was what I said after game one, like it's all fun and games to have a feel out game, but there is an anatomy to it. A seven game series. You have to beat them four times and things can go off the rails. You can have crazy shooting nights. You can have the opposite of a crazy shooting night. Someone can get hurt. You can have a night where the crowd just carries you. And this is why you cannot trick off a game. Because if you're up, if you're up three games to one and the AD injury happens, the entire belief surrounding the Suns franchise is different than the way they were tonight. I would be willing to bet money that the Suns were talking to themselves today about how they were going to go out there and kick their ass tonight because they believe. Right. And I, and I think that, I think that there was a, a huge psychological advantage to, uh, to the way that the Suns were playing. And, and, and it was, it, it was just, it was just so frustrating. And again, you have to think that coming into this game, that Frank Vogel was talking to them extensively about how they needed to be aggressive at the three point line. And they just needed to make some shots you have to think that was the talking point. You have to think LeBron was telling him, I need you guys to shoot. I'm going to be kicking it to you. I need you guys to shoot. And for them then to come out and to not be aggressive, you know, in all those different spots. And for the record, I want to a little bit of blame on LeBron here. He had a couple of sloppy turnovers at the beginning. And, you know, I, I think that you have to read the writing on the wall and you have to see, hey, these guys are all are completely shook. So maybe now is when I have to start firing away if I go 10 for 30. And he did that in the third quarter, but it was too late. And I don't know that any of it would have been enough tonight. Um, But at the end of the day, like you and I talked extensively, they just needed some guys to make some shots to loosen things up because LeBron, if you, when we watch the tape, it's going to be insane. LeBron had no, no advantage to work with when he would get to his spots 
it was, it was Chris Paul was just completely ignoring Dennis Schroeder, wanted nothing to do with Dennis Schroeder guarding him at the three point line. You know, like you had eight and waiting under the basket. Mikhail Bridges just literally hunting passing lanes because nobody's making any shots. You make two or three threes early in that game, it softens things up. And all of a sudden, the driving lanes do open up. And it's just, it's that cascading effect that you and I always talk about kind of hit its zenith in, in the worst way tonight, where all of a sudden, just the entire Laker offense bogged down in that second quarter. Yeah. The lack of shooting became a problem. And then right on the other end, the Suns just continually, confidently knocked everything down. Right. And, and, and I want to give them a ton of credit uh, for, for doing what the Lakers did not in that regard. Right. And there was a lot of like referee, com- like talking about the referees. And I thought they also had a bunch of like struggling struggle calls tonight. But um, we talk about it a lot. They reward the physical team. Right. Like that's what referees mm-hmm. do. They were for the physical team and Phoenix was absolutely the more physical team. They were punking us down low, punking us on offensive rebounds, going right, right at us, at our chest. And um, they were going to get the calls. And uh, I think LeBron tried when we we're down like 15, 18 to go to the rim, try to just put his head down. And they were just staying off him. And, you know, he thought he got fouled on a few of them. Looked like he might have got hit in the face. But, you know, when you're down 18, 20, you don't have any sympathy from the referees. Um, they weren't calling anything. And uh, they, he just couldn't go to the rim so at that time all he can do was shoot his jumper was off to start I thought he started hitting later later in the third quarter later in the fourth he started getting his jumper going maybe that'll be good for uh game six but um they were flying under our screens man they're just especially Dennis Schroeder was pump faking right like he was pump faking to no one no one was going for those um he has no driving lanes as well he's coming off those eight and is sitting in the paint he's lost all confidence in his mid-range jumper um his three ball he was shooting as a super last resort so it's just a lot of things going against them, and maybe going home helps here again. We can hope the three point shooting is still just god awful. I thought Wes Matthews hit a few tonight, try to get in rhythm. You have to find some shooters, man. Uh, Vogel went to to THT and Ben Macklemore, trying to just find you know some kind of spark. I think in the second quarter that just wasn't. There. And other guards didn't deserve to play anymore because they mentally checked out of the game. You had right. to go some other direction. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's kind of how the game went, man. I, like I wrote down uh, Drummond's kind of defensive awareness, but again, all this stuff is so minute. Like it just doesn't matter if the effort isn't at a baseline level. Like I thought his awareness was really bad tonight. Um, he was he was just coming off screens. Devin Booker hit three threes in a row, and he's coming off worried about Kaminsky on the short roll. Like you let Kaminsky kind of get that pass, right? You gotta get up on Devin Booker when he's steaming hot like that. I think Booker had like 18 in the first quarter, and one of the last shots of the quarter, it was a little. Um, little screen with Kaminsky and Drummond's kind of sitting back and I'm like you got to be up on that and again those are things that matter on the court those are kind of the x's and o's um the game isn't played on spreadsheets and all that but that's just the stuff that I saw kind of on the floor that they they need to clean up but again those things are so minor when you look at just the total effort and just getting out getting punked out of the out of the game in the first quarter like you didn't even give yourself a chance in my opinion like this game was over five minutes in which is just unacceptable for a for a playoff game Yep. I a hundred percent agree. And I mean, you know, I thought a lot about, you know, just kind of leaning back on what, what LeBron must be thinking right now as someone who's, who's been in so many different playoff series in his career. And the one that came to mind for me was 2018 uh, in the first round against Indiana in particular game six, they go down to game six, they're up three games to two. They barely squeak out game five on the, on the sequence where LeBron, 
blocks Victor Oladipo at the rim on one end and then makes the three to win the game on the other. Mm-hmm. So you basically barely squeak out game five. They go on the road in game six to Indiana. Same thing, completely raucous crowd. And it kind of reminded me of this game in a lot of ways uh, because Victor Oladipo was just like Devin Booker, total coming out party in game six. Like straight up missed a dunk on LeBron and then went right back at him like two possessions later and dunked on him. And crowds going crazy. And you could tell the Cavs veterans were just like, that will get them in game seven. Like they just totally just mentally checked out of the game and tried game seven. Here's the problem here. I I do think the Lakers have a chance to win game six. I think that there's, uh, even if AD doesn't come back, I think that there's, I think that a team that gets pumped the way they did is going to respond in some manner at home. The, The guys are, it's an elimination game. The team that's back is against the wall, always approaches an elimination game with a certain amount of desperation. I think the Lakers might win game six, but the bottom line is, is they have to come back here and win anyway. So the, the, they don't yeah. have the luxury that the 2018 Cavs had in that they could fall back on, uh, on their, uh, on their home court advantage. This is not the case now. Now, you know, whatever slim chance there was to win the series just became significantly slimmer. And, and I, and I thought that, uh, I thought that at the very least, uh, you know, you just need to hang around and then maybe a LeBron, you know, explosion can put you over the top. But to, to just completely let the rope slip like that, I thought was so bizarre. Right. And I, I feel like the difference only in that in that Indiana kind of series, they weren't were they like a seven seed or like a six seed or something like that? I believe like I don't think the, it was a I think it was a four five okay. or three six I think okay. it was a three six I, I've been like harping on this point Phoenix is legit this is a legitimately really good team like I, we talked about it a lot this is probably the two best teams in the west most likely like these, this is a really good team I just want to give them credit as well the shooter they know what to do um, they don't make mistakes they get back on de- defense they know exactly what they're running uh, on offense they know what they're doing they came with a game plan and executed it I thought uh, great tonight and also in the second half of uh, game four so I just want to give them credit as well and that's the difference here you're 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 playing with a team that's legitimately good that can go all the way in my my opinion go all the way to the finals um, and a person like Chris Paul I think he got shaken up tonight but he looks kind of back to himself controlling the floor kind of controlling where shots come from and, and they're confident man they're gonna go to LA and think they can win and uh, I feel like the Lakers are kind of leaning on this Anthony Davis news and look if AD plays he plays like I think he might play. He looks like he might play, but um, I don't, I'm not sure if that will just be enough. There's a lot of basketball kind of concerns for me as well, um, just on the floor. Uh, we saw Gasol kind of start. I wrote that as well. Gasol started in the second half. Maybe he starts, you know, game six. That could be an adjustment they do. But um, the effort's got to be there. The crowd won't be like it is in Phoenix. Um, they got to be able to play, create their own kind of energy, and uh, see if they can kind of pull this off. Um, and, and move this to a game I would seven. Have gone, I would have gone small for the record in terms of the, the, the mark mm-hmm. thing. Like at a certain point, this isn't working, you know, uh, with the bigs, especially in pick and roll coverage. I think, I think I would say they had one good game in pick and roll coverage, probably game two, uh, where they were so physical off the ball and, and jank things up. But the Suns, like Booker was getting easy shots against those coverages. And at, at what point do you just say, I'm putting, you know, Marquise Morris at the five and I'm, and I'm going down, switching everything, making them isolate and giving LeBron as much space as humanly possible to work with. I, I'd, I'd like to see them try something 
Because the, the the you know we we knew coming into this series that one of the problems would be Phoenix guards and Laker pick and roll coverage because all season long they've done that stupid catch hedge that I've complained about, which basically lets pull up jump shooters uh, go off. Let them snake and, the pick and, and roll, right? Let them snake it, yeah. kind of get to their spot. Mm-hmm. Where the big man's not really, he's not really up at the screen bothering things, but he's also not back shutting down the rim either. He's just kind of in the middle in like no man's land. And, and it has bothered me all season. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I think like, I, I think at some point Frank's got to reach deep down into the deck here and try something different because I thought even in the, that second quarter when the Lakers were trying to get something going, they just kept putting Marcus all and, and Andre Drummond in screening actions and just getting whatever the hell they wanted. And, and Frank leaned heavily this Rob Polinka and Frank ha, have leaned heavily on this idea that we're just going to be big and we're going to pulverize everyone. Well, guess what? Your big guys aren't pulverizing them. If anything, we're getting pulverized at least in the last two games. And, uh, and so at, at what point is the trade off? there not worth it because you're trading off that physical presence for a lack of foot speed and for a lack of shooting, although Marcus all has, has had his moments. But the point is, is like that trade-off you're, you're getting all the bad with none of the good right now. So at, at what point do you try something different and see if you can't unlock something to, to try to swing this series? I, I'll, I'll be interested to see what they decide to do. Yeah. And I guess my last kind of point, and then we can kind of move to what we think for game six and then I'm let, let some people come up here. But, uh, my only thing was like, I feel like they overreacted a little bit to Aiden as well. Like I liked their coverages in game one, game two. They were holding him to 99, 100 points, kind of getting up on Booker and letting him kind of pass to Aiden every time. And, and you know, that physicality you talked about, like dominating down low, that doesn't work without AD, right? Like that's the point of having Drummond and AD. We talked about it a lot. And LeBron, um, all, through, all three of those guys have to be engaged defensively for that to be a dominating force and also phoenix is mm-hmm. running phoenix is running on us campaign Devin booker because of how we attack the offensive glass uh, if we don't get the board they're gone and then our bigs are a step slow eating his rim running um, a lot of things like that are going on and again ad doesn't solve all of these he definitely helps he needs to be the help guy um, because other guys are just too small and he said marcus marcus marquise morris at the five I just don't think he can move laterally enough to stay with the guards right now. He got beat off the dribble a lot tonight by Chris Paul, um, Devin Booker right to the rim. And I just don't think he's ready for that um, to be the five and just to switch everything. And uh, and, and the spacing, I, it, it should help. But if we're still not hitting at a rate, they're still just going to pinch the paint, right, and just shrink the floor whenever LeBron has mm-hmm. the ball. And it's basically going to be him trying to get in the post or try to do high screen action with Marquise Morris. And I think they'll they'll kind of live with that. But But moving on to, like, game six, what's – What's your main kind of look for this? Is it AD kind of coming back or, or any kind of adjustment you want to see or your effort? What do you want to see in game six? So I think it starts and ends with, with their psychology and, and, and how they respond mentally to getting kind of smushed the way that they did today um, and made to feel small. I mean, here's the reality of the situation. Anthony Davis coming back, uh, Anthony Davis playing tonight wouldn't have solved enough problems to, uh, to win that game. They lost – not because they lacked talent. They lost because of the fact that they didn't show up to the game mentally. And, and so that's the way you got to look at it is like you, when you're getting beat that resoundingly, it, it's everything. You're, you're, you're getting outplayed in every facet of the game. The color commentator, I can't even remember who it was at this point, but he kept pointing out the fact that the Suns were outworking him. 
And that can't happen. You can't be the desperate team, but also be the team that's getting outworked. And so, I mean, we could talk about adjustments all day long, uh, you know, about which lineups to use, whether or not you, you try to favor shooting, whether or not you go away from centers. We could talk about that all day long. But if the Lakers don't show up and fight on Thursday, they're going to go home. And, and that's, it's really that simple to me. And, and, you know, what's upsetting about that is I feel like, you know, teams follow their leader psychologically. And I feel like LeBron really tried in that first quarter to try to get something going. Yeah. And it just wasn't there. There, the, the driving lanes weren't there. And then he, he shot five quick jumpers, if you remember. And I think he made one of them. Yeah. He made the through the three. And it's like that, that, that was what it was going to be. You know, I, I was thinking a lot before the game, you know, what would a bad LeBron game look like? And I thought it would be just missed jump shots and maybe some bad body language, but you can depend on him to do the other things, right? Like LeBron's not going to completely shrink away from a, a big game, you know? Um, but he had some limitations in his ability to get into the paint that was magnified by the lack of spacing. And he tried to get it going with the jump shot early on. Like if he has that same third quarter jump shooting stretch, Mm -hmm. but in the, but in the first quarter, maybe it gives enough, you know, belief to the role players that they hang on to the rope. And that, and that's what you, what you hope for. So LeBron, I think in game, uh, in game six has to be extremely aggressive early and send a message to his team that, you know, we're not letting go of the rope tonight. But I, but I mean, here's the thing, guys don't make shots and guys don't take you know, do their job. It's not going to work. Right. A lot of people are asking for like a 45 point gamer from LeBron tonight, right? Like they wanted him to kind of go off on his scoring, get 15 plus assists. That just doesn't happen without guys hitting shots. Like they just have to, or the Lakers are going mm-hmm. home. Um, and hopefully going home helps that. But um, it, I don't know how much it will. They're shooting, what, 22% or something on open jumpers before tonight. I haven't looked at the numbers tonight. They're probably even worse. Um, but those dudes have to hit shots. And, uh, like, look, LeBron has nothing else to save for. Like, there's no game after game six. Like, like tonight he can kind of, you know, sell himself that there's another game. AD, come back. Let me hold it for that one. Um, but there's nothing after game six. So we're going to get the full LeBron. We're going to know whether or not he has that capability in him. Um, I think there's still a, there's still a gear there that he can go to, right? There's still gear where he can get to the rim um, at a at a certain point where Phoenix um, can't stop him, even though they're packing the paint like crazy. But uh, I think there's still another gear he can get to, another aggressiveness that he can get to, hopefully in game six. But guys have to hit their shots, man. They can't be scared. Um, and I think they'll look at the film and uh, realize that. And uh, hopefully AD can play. Like, that's the main thing. Like, I, I, my main takeaway kind of from tonight was like, we can't defend them kind of without AD. Like, that was kind of the the little lost secret in tonight as well. You just look at the the floor, man, and just the way we're they're def- we're defending screen coverages. Like we need AD as the help guy. We just don't know what we're doing off the ball without it. These lineups just have not played together, and it's kind of why I wanted to see Gasol start just to give LeBron that spacing early. Right? It felt like once once Gasol came in, the crowd was already super into it. Booker was in a flow. Like it was just the game was over uh, by that time. It felt like even though it was just we were down like 15 or something like that. So. Um, that's what I want to kind of see going into game six. Um, do you have anything else from today or going to game six? Should I bring, bring the first person? You can bring the first person up. I think, I think you made a really good point, like starting Gasol in hopes of getting LeBron driving lanes early um, might have been the smarter move. But, I mean, 
I hope it might be, it might be too late. You know, that that's the hard part. Like Frank, Frank was slow with adjustments for the entirety of the last two years. He'd always do them, but he'd mm-hmm. wait to the last possible minute. And, and I, 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 I would hope that he makes that adjustment for game six, but man, like, like who knows? And at this point it, it just might be too late. I, it's, it's hard to even really, you know, bridge the gap mentally to figure out how the Lakers could win this series at this point. Like you have to somehow play 10 times better in game six than you did tonight. And then you have to somehow go into Phoenix in game in game seven and get a win. I mean, LeBron's done it before they, they went down to Boston in game five in 2018 and got rolled. And then they, they, they had a crazy game in game six and then he went into Boston in game seven and all of a sudden those young Celtics players uh, got really cold in the moment. Um, but that team didn't have Chris Paul. Right. And that team wasn't as good as this Phoenix Suns team is. So it's like, like you said, it's just, they, they have an enormous task ahead of them at this point. And I, you said, I, I think LeBron has this other gear to get to. I a hundred percent agree with you when he's healthy. And, and I'm not a hundred percent sure that he has that gear right now. Yep. And, and, and I'm not sure that he will be able to tap into that in a way that he could have if, you know, Solomon Hill didn't dive into his ankle. <laughs> well, we'll see you on uh, Game 6. Joe, are you there? Uh, hey, yeah, I'm here, man. Can you all hear me? What's up, Joe? What's hey, on, what's man? up, fellas? Hey, um, just, yeah, man, just watching the game. It, I, yeah, Tim, I, I just think Braun is – this whole year, man, it's just been so clunky and so – it was just—it's just been so different than last year with the cohesion, and man, I just—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm not going to give up on Braun, but man, that it's going to be tough on uh, on Thursday night, man. We just need somebody to to step up, and the problem is, you know, when I thought a guy like Caruso and. And it, it's just like, man, who can step up? This team has not been able to exhibit any type of cohesion. And I'm concerned that uh, that the Lakers are going to go home, man. So I hope not, but I'm, I'm just not feeling optimistic. You know, Raj and I are both Lakers optimists. You know, we really are. And I am still optimistic about the future of this team. Um, I think that... When you actually, when we actually reflect on this season, and I'm sure Raj and I will do a special podcast uh, after the season, you know, whether that's in July or or in a few days, we'll we'll, we'll see. But I, I think we'll look back on it, and when we'll look back, we'll realize, you know, a lot about how just how term, you know, how much turmoil there was this year. And I, I'm a big believer that LeBron is going to age gracefully and that he's going to be able to be a top five player in his late thirties. I really believe that. I believe that Anthony Davis will figure out how to stay healthy. I feel like that's going to be his number one goal this off season. And I feel like Anthony Davis is going to be great. I like THT. I like, I like Rob Polinka and what he, what his plan is. And I like Frank as the coach and I like these role players. I'm a Lakers optimist, but this team isn't the Lakers right now. This is, this is a hurt LeBron this is no AD. This is Dennis is completely getting outplayed by the backup point guard by the, from the Phoenix Suns. This is Dennis, you know, did some stupid COVID stuff and, and killed his rhythm and, and lost two weeks right before the postseason. And God knows if he'll even be on the roster next year. 
And this is every role player on the ro- on the roster going completely stone cold from three. And so all like this is not what uh, uh, the the Lakers we know for lack of a better term. So uh, the optimism has to lie in what can be, not what this is right now. And, and I don't even want to talk about the off. You went into the off season a lot there. I don't even want to go into the off season yet. But uh, when I look at like this season, I guess just looking from the forest through the trees, it just feels like the championship was kind of the sacrifice um, for this season, right? AD was never himself this season. Like I just never thought he was. Um, I just never thought he got in any kind of rhythm to be what he was last year, even when we started 21 and six. So that's kind of how I see this season. And maybe that's how it ends, but there's still another game. Like you're still alive. You have LeBron James. There's still adjustments to be made. Um, Whether you lose by one or lose by 30, you only get one loss for it in the playoffs. So uh, we have another game left. So I don't, I don't want to really go into to off season stuff. Uh, Yeah. I still kind of want to kind of keep it on this, this season, even how uh, treasures it treasures it kind of turned into. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at here. I'm not sure. All I mean, all I mean by that is just that, like, I I think that you and I are optimists. Yeah, I for think sure. Just, I and I was using the off season, well, really, just the future of the team <laughs> right. to say to say that we are optimists. I'm just saying I think you and I are both also realists, and we acknowledge the reality of the situation right now. You of know course. what I mean? Yeah. Appreciate you, Joe. We're gonna try to get get some more people up here. We got a lot, of people, so. a lot of people requested here. Um, let's see. I'll try to go in some kind of order. Jordan, are you there? Looks like it. Yo, hey, Jordan. Hey, hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. What's going on, man? Hey, man. Hey, Jordan. What's up? Um, so, obviously, that was a pretty bad loss. Real frustrating. Um, but I was just wondering um, how, how – I don't know. You guys probably answered this a little bit um, before, but how confident are you guys now, like, in, in the, for game six and then for game seven? I'm, I'm fairly confident. Um, but, yeah, how confident are you guys if we can, that we can turn this around? Right. Uh, I'm I'm on game six mode right now. Like game seven feels so far away. Like that feels like, you know, like a bridge that I can't even see right now. Like game six should be the focus. And I think we can win game six. One game, it's at home. You know, sure. Role, sure. role players tend to shoot better at home. They're supposed to. These open shots are supposed to fall in like this sample that we've kind of created. Um, although there's only one kind of game sample left. But, you know, these open shots should go if they take them confidently and, I think LeBron will have the team ready. Um, AD hopefully will play. That's where I'm at. It's a winnable game. Like it, it just is home game there. It's going to be a tough one, um, but I think it's winnable. And I, that's where I'm at with this. I, I'm not sure. The game seven feels like such a far cry away for me. Like I can't even kind of think about it. How about you, Jason? I I'm with you. They can win game six. Uh, that's certainly in the cards. And then from there, anything can happen in a game seven with LeBron. So I would say that, uh, you know, any other team, I'd probably say that it's not over, but that it's looking extremely bleak. At this point, I would say that it's still bleak, but that the Lakers certainly can win. It's just what you're asking them to do is you're asking them to win a game at home, which they absolutely can do. But then they have to go and do exactly the same environment as tonight into an even higher pressure game. And they have to be 50 times better than they were tonight. You know, yeah. so that. 
that's where that's where it gets complicated. But uh, you know, um, I like like Raj said, it starts it starts with Thursday. Yeah, I mean the odds are in our favor, right? Like those shots, like they they got to go down sooner or later, right? So hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully that's on. Ga- hopefully that's in game six. So yeah, but uh, no, thanks for answering that. Thanks, Jordan. We appreciate you coming on, man. You still there, Raj? Yeah, um, I was trying to get the next person up here. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate Very it, good. Uh, Nick. See if I can get multiple people and then kind of take turns. So I have to wait. I guess while we're waiting, what do you think about Trez? Oh, I guess Jay is there. Jay, can you hear us? Yeah, hear you. What's going on, man? Ah, it's tough. Uh, like... I had high hopes for this game, but mm-hmm. I really thought we like if we didn't come out and with the knockout punch in game one, we wasn't gonna win. I mean, in, in quarter one, we wasn't gonna win. And after that second quarter, I just turned the game off because I knew it was on the game six. You could tell it in the body language and everything. And Dennis, I'm so glad he turned down that extension because if we'd have paid him, <laughs> I'd have been so mad. Like. Cause it's it's to the point like where if you not you not scoring what do you want to call for? You just hurting the team. Oh for nine, and in the game that we really needed going back to Staples, it's like it's sad. But I I think we're going to pull it out in seven if AD comes back. But it's looking bleak, like you said. Yeah, I just want to quickly like for Dennis, like like he hasn't played well, and we need more from him. He had two awesome games though on game two and game three. Like, we needed all his points in that. We don't win game two or game three without him. So he had an awesome, awesome those two games. He was confident. I don't know what happened. And without AD, our margin for error in scoring is just so low um, that we need him to kind of perform. But you're right. The body language was terrible. Um, me and Jason kind of talked about it. it. It looked bleak right when they started. They didn't look like they believed. Devin Booker hit a few shots, and it looked like that was it. Like, they just packed it up. We're ready to go back um, to L.A. So that, that was really disappointing. I, I agree with you on that. I can't say it any better. I mean, we, we talked for two days coming into this game that the role players needed to make shots and that they needed a lot from Dennis. And uh, Dennis came out and gave you an offer. <laughs> like that's, that's just really, that's really tough. It's really tough to win like that. But at the end of the day, it's very clear that they packed it in and they're betting on game six. And you know what? If they come out of this in, in seven games and it all works out, like maybe we'll look back and laugh about this, but them willingly giving up game one and game five of this series was so bizarre. And it, and it's just, it's just poor strategy when it comes to trying to win these playoff series, because they like Anthony Davis, a healthy version of him just completely no showed game one of this series man in a, in a game that the Lakers could have won. And like the, the entire psychology and tenor of the series is different. If the Lakers are up three games to one instead of two, two coming into this game. And, and obviously, like, every person on the roster deserves blame at certain points for the way this series has gone. Um, like, I, like I, I was really hard on LeBron in game four in the second half for letting go of a game that I thought he still could have st- uh, stolen. But, man, like, it just – like, De- Dennis Dennis was the, the, the big, shiny, you know, uh, the scapegoat tonight. But everybody, everybody deserves a, a ton of blame. 
Yep, I agree. Appreciate you, Jay. Uh, I'm going to try to get through some more people here. Appreciate you coming up. Thanks, uh, sir. Jack, are you there? Yo, can you hear me? I can hear you. What's going on, man? Uh, well, I mean, that was tough tonight. But uh, I don't know. My question is, is that – so I've been a big defender of this year's roster in terms of like like on a talent level this year. But what's up with this team's mentality compared to last year? Because I feel like even though last year's team was probably less talented on paper, they just had a completely different mentality to them game in and game out. And it's just been just driving me crazy this year watching this team. So I actually disagree with you a little bit in the sense that, um, you know, the, the, the best indicator of consistent effort in the regular season is defensive rating and the Lakers were number one. So the, the important thing we have to remember is that all 30 NBA teams in a 72 or 82 game season are going to mentally check in and out for various stretches. They'll go on an eight game stretch where they kill everybody and then they'll have a game where they don't try or they'll have two or three games where, where it doesn't look good. That's kind of just part of the deal in the NBA. Um, and as far as in the playoffs, then, you know, letting go of a game with a poor effort, they did the same thing last year. I thought all, all four of their losses, all five of their losses in last year's playoff run, uh, I thought were in large part due to poor effort. Uh, um, I, like, like that, was, that was kind of what we noticed when we were going through those series. So I think this is kind of the way these teams are. I mean, we, we've seen it with all, all these teams, Brooklyn, blue game, uh, uh, blue game three and Bo- or game four in Boston, you know, uh, just for no reason other than that they weren't playing hard. You know, that that kind of thing, it just is part of part of the way these NBA teams are. Um, the Lakers are one of the more consistent effort teams. It just this is how it can bite you in the butt if you if you let one if you let one or two of them go in a seven game or all of a sudden an injury puts you with your back against the wall. And then that's what happened here. Uh, the only, my only like disagreement with that is like, we had the best defense. It was, it was with like a bunch of different lineups, right? Like it felt like we had a p- bunch of different squads throughout the year. Like that's, that's my name, main difference from last year. And last year, like I think the farther that we get away from it, the more kind of special that is like groups like that don't really, like they've talked about it as well. They said that was one of the most cohesive units that they've been on uh, teams that they've been on. And vets have said that. Um, and also like that team, just played together more they had a lot more cohesion they played games together and i think that matters when you get into a playoff series do or die kind of situations where you don't need to just think you know where your teammate is going to be you need to like know you need to absolutely know like my help is going to be there on the backside. that's just like the x and O's part of it but also i just need to know like okay if i get beat here my guy's going to be at the rim helping for me and those kind of things you just build through a regular season and this team just never got a chance to kind of do that and still had the talent to kind of oversee that but it's just when you don't have the talent as well ad out lebron not himself um those things add up and i think that's where last year's team kind of had a had a role over over this one where they they had a lot more cohesion knew exactly where the other guy would be minutes together all those kind of stuff um that that this team never got a chance to do i i 100 agree with you and that to me is the difference like the difference is not in mentality to your question jack like the difference, in my opinion, is not in mentality from this year to last year. It's the continuity, and and that's not their fault. I, I like. I, I think health was the entire reasoning behind it. I also think we could probably safely assume that they don't even sign Drummond if if AD and LeBron stay healthy throughout the season. That kind of feels like a reactionary signing. 
mm-hmm. as a result of a, a, a perceived lack of, of depth and talent. And that's not to say that Drummond is, was a bad signing or anything like anything like that. But my point is, is they never even got to continue with that Marcus all starting lineup that actually was really good, you know, and, and build the continuity that they could fall back on in the playoffs. Yep, I agree, Jack. I appreciate you. We're gonna keep this. Uh, keep this. Thank line, you. Appreciate this. Yeah, thank you, Thanks, man. Jack. Keep this line moving. Uh, Jen, Jennifer, are you there? Yeah. Hi. How you doing, man? Good. How you guys doing? Doing well. Doing, doing well. My question is this: What do you guys feel about the, the trade with Kyle Lowry that didn't they didn't the Fertile Horner Tucker? The guy can only oh, play man. in the playoffs. Oh man, he's unplayable. Jason, I let you. I let you touch this one first. So <laughs> I, I, I hate Monday. I hate Monday morning quarterbacking for the record. Uh, like what I mean by I hate it is like, I, I don't think anybody gets to play the, I told you so card because to me, that's, that's banking on results rather than, you know, acknowledging the fact that everything is a gamble. The Kyle Lowry trade could have happened and the Lakers still could have lost that. That's the, the important first detail that said, uh, I think we do all know for a fact that uh, Kyle Lowry would have been a more reliable game in and game out type of player in this series than uh, Dennis Schroeder would have been, you know, and, and I think that that was one of the parts that got glossed over. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm not in position to sit here and say like, Oh, well, I told you guys I should have signed Kyle Lowry. Cause I, I just feel like that's being intellectually dishonest and being captain hindsight. And I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I just think like it was still. I would still probably not do the deal. Like I, Lowry with a hobbled AD and a hobbled LeBron. I'm not sure how far you're going anyway, right? Just even looking at. I know you don't like to do the morning quarterback or however that's called. Um, but just looking even at adding Lowry to this team, you probably get maybe one more win, two more wins. But you know you're not going anywhere if AD's not himself, LeBron's not himself anyway. So you still get to keep KCP. Still a you had to keep Dennis Schroeder maybe going forward. You keep THT and whatever picks the Raptors were asking for. So that's a tough thing to kind of go back and look at. Um, so, yeah, I still probably wouldn't do the deal with Lowry help. Maybe. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll never know. And I, I'm, I'm comfortable with their decision in the offseason. The one tricky thing with that is uh, that'll be interesting to see. And, again, I don't want to dive more into the offseason because I know, I know Raj wants to stay in the moment. Um, but, uh, uh, if they end up letting Dennis walk, cause they don't think he's worth the money and, uh, and then you don't have the option of signing Lowry to that, you know, two year, $50 million extension that he wanted. That's the one mm-hmm. part that kind of sucks is if, if, you to, if one of the factors of that trade is everyone was like, Oh, we'll, we'll keep Dennis, you know? Yeah. But, and the one thing, that, one thing, last thing I'll say about Dennis that I think is important is he was playing really well before the damn COVID suspension. And uh, like he had that game against Utah where he just picked them apart. And, and then he, his, his, his dumb ass went and did something stupid and got suspended for two weeks and completely disrupted any of that. And I think that that was is something that to keep in mind as far as in defense of Dennis. That, yeah. That, that's the sad part about this. He's had a good season. Like we were even talking about like an all defense type of season, you know, and he was playing well. And then he went out for COVID once and then went out again right before the season, and, and that was just brutal. Killed his rhythm. He was not in, 
he even talked about it. His conditioning was killed, and he's had two good games in this series as well that will all be forgotten if he plays bad again in game six. And that's the sad part about this is, like, fans are really going to jump on him. It's really easy to kind of um, scapegoat him as well. He's easy one with Drummond. His, his misses are also loud, right? Like, when he has bad games, they're loud, very similar to Drummond. He'll go, like, over eight, over one for 12 or something like that. And uh, that, that's the kind of sad part about this is he's had a good season. But you get judged on the playoffs, and that's kind of how it goes. Uh, yep, Jennifer, I, I appreciate I appreciate you, man. We're gonna try to get Thank this you guys. Uh, line move and appreciate you. Uh, let's see. Renee, are you there? Hey, how you doing, fellas? How's it going, man? Uh, a couple things I wanted to touch on really quick with you guys. Like one, um, you touched on it earlier. I'm still optimistic to an extent. I do think that we can win the series if AD is healthy, but that's banking on that. Um, but a question I have for you guys is like, looking ahead to the off season, what are you looking for us to do with the roster? <laughs> He's putting Raj on the spot. I like it. <laughs> Man, that's that that just that hinges so much. Kind of, I guess not really. I mean, it kind of hinges on what happens in Game Six, but. Um, I really don't know, man. I, I can't even think that far. Like, that's such a – like, I don't know where you go here. Like, I guess you you got to re-sign Dennis and kind of hope this team comes back healthy. You still have LeBron and AD. Hopefully you re-sign Alex Caruso. That would be my priority, number one. Um, also bring back Marcus Saul. And then everyone else is kind of signed. Kuzma's there, and then you kind of fill in veterans um, from there. Marcus Saul is actually signed next year, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, but uh, you just bring other vets that want to win, and I think they'll do that. I'm, I'm not worried about the offseason, so uh, – that, that's that's kind of where I would that's where I would go with it. But I don't even want to talk about that, man. We're still alive. We're still alive. I'm not going there. Yeah, the one thing that I'll say is something that I tweeted earlier. You know, given the circumstances, all of the outlier circumstances, I don't even know how you I don't even know how you make any calls. Like, how do you if as Rob Palinka, how do you sit there and think like, oh, this is what we need, or that's what we need, or this guy isn't a good fit? Or that guy's not a good fit when they've never played. Like they've barely played together. So I don't know. How, I don't know how you make those calls. Like it's, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. I, I tweeted this, you know, weeks ago, um, uh, before, back in the in the regular season when we were all talking about how the Clippers thing wasn't working. And it's like, how, why would you blow it up if you're the Clippers after this season when everything everything was so unusual and everything was 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 chaotic and everything was not like a normal season and I, I I like even if the Clippers would have lost to the Mavericks I would have been like hey like I don't think we should jump the gun here when when this is not a normal season and so that that's my thing I I, I don't think you can even make calls about the the, the offseason based on this series I think I think it did like for all you know the same group of guys healthy you know runs off 72 wins and wins a title and you don't know you just don't know yep i agree renee we appreciate you man uh Thanks, tanner man. are you there uh yeah man i'm here um on, man good how are you doing tonight doing as well as we can man what you got I know, it was it was a rough one tonight <laughs> man uh i guess my question is uh maybe based off kind of like your last entry you might not want to get too much into this but um, I think it's pretty evident at this point that LeBron's window is kind of closing um, in terms of father time catching up to him and all those type of things. And then 
Jeez, I'm, man. I'm, 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 I guess I'm just kind of wondering like what your comfort level is with, with Anthony Davis kind of being the leader of the helm for the next five years under his new contract. You know, like once once that time does come from LeBron in terms of his injury issues and then, you know, the occasional no show, no shows in playoff games. So, uh, but really quickly, I tweeted this earlier and I and I stand by it like seven months ago, LeBron was living in the paint as a finals MVP seven months ago. And he had a contact injury, one of the few that he's had in his career that that knocked him out for basically the, the, the last 30 something games of the season. So as far as far as I'm concerned. Uh, his, his end is eventually going to come, but I don't think it's necessarily fair to use this as like the doomsday scenario because I don't like healthy stars would struggle in the same circumstances, you know, like, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that CJ McCollum is having a tough series with Denver when he missed most of the season with, uh, with the, well, I think it was plantar fascia or whatever it was that his, his injury was. So, so the right. point is, is like, it just, it's, it's really hard for any, cause basketball is so rhythm oriented. Like I'm going to use a stupid personal example, but like I'm going to Aruba on Thursday and I'm going to be gone for eight days. There's a 0% chance that I just come back and play like my normal self when I go play. Like it's going to take me weeks to, to, to get, to get back into shape after yeah, being sure. basically a beach bum for eight days. And I think, I think that's kind of the problem here is, LeBron was effectively off of his foot for probably five, six weeks there, and then and then did very minimal stuff to kind of inch his way back on the court. And then he's like, ju- like he's in like training camp mode right now, while the dudes that he's playing against are coming off of the best season of their careers and playing at the top of their games. Like that's right. the difference here. And, and Jason, you said seven months ago, not three months ago, he was having an MVP level season. Like exactly, he was the leader for the MVP before you know he went down, and then Jokic kind of took that over. But and he was getting to the rim, getting to the basket, showing no real ill effects, um, jumping as high as I've kind of seen him getting to the basket, taking contact, um, MVP level kind of numbers, MVP level impact, um, even without AD in there. Like he was, he was himself, man. I yeah, I mean, I. I, I, I I agree with you. I think it's definitely it's it's super hard to obviously discount LeBron. I mean, what he's already done in his career is is incredible. You know, I mean, I think it, at this point, you know, like y'all said seven months ago, and like you just said three months ago, he was you know MVP talk. Uh, right. And, and I guess answer, more of oh, sorry, I was just gonna say like what uh, what what do you think? Like, I guess more of my question is is like what y'all's level of concern more for more for Anthony Davis like over the next yeah. five years. So I still think he needs a high-level shot creator to kind of be next to him, right? I think that's pretty clear. Um, I, I don't think a guy like Dennis Schroeder is enough. And look, the Lakers are the Lakers. They're going to attract high-level shot creators. That's just how the kind of world works, right? That's how free, they're going to go after free agents that are going to fit with him. And uh, I just don't think LeBron is as close to done yet as that kind of um, playmaker. And when those two are playing together, man, the Lakers are a high-level team. They win at a high level, um, and they still do. But, yeah, that's where my concern would be with AD. I can't really talk on the injury kind of stuff. I mean, this was kind of a weird year for him, short offseason. He came in out of shape, was never really himself, to be honest. If you look at AD's games, even early on, um, even when they were 21-6, and six, he was loafing through games. He was not really trying on a lot of nights. Um, so that's. I hope next year he comes in kind of 
with a with a killer attitude. I, I picked him for defensive player of the year this year. I was way off. He approached the season way differently than I thought he would. I thought he would approach it the way LeBron would. I thought LeBron would approach it the way he would. And uh, it just didn't happen. But that's where I see with AD. That's my main concern here. He's still not a high enough level shot creator where he can be the number one kind of scoring option on a title level team, I, I guess. Do you see that as well, Jason? Yeah, I do. But I also think that the partnership works in the sense that um, LeBron's playmaking will continue to be a thing as he gets older. You oh, know, yeah. like think of it like this, like uh, this version of LeBron in this series, you know, a guy who's averaging, you know, whatever it is, 21 points a game on, you know, right around, you know, high 40s from the field and, you know, capable of, not, of knocking down threes and is still passing the ball really well. Like that version of LeBron is going to be old LeBron. Like the way, the way LeBron is right now is the way I see him in a couple of years. I just mm-hmm. happen to think he still has some peak in him that has been taken away by the injury. Um, but the point is, is when AD was being physically dominant in games two and three, they, they won comfortably against this really good Suns team. So I'm still a believer that this pairing works even as LeBron ages. However, with AD, there are a couple of things to keep in mind. Uh, one, the injury stuff is real. Like he has to figure out how to stay healthy. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's his diet. I don't know if it's his workout regimen. I don't know if it's his pliability. I don't know. I don't know what it is that he's got to do, but he's got to figure it out because here's the reality of the situation. Everyone goes, Oh, quick turnaround. Oh, quick turnaround. Blah, blah, blah. And I agree. Don't get me wrong. It was part of it. But like the Lakers still had 72 days that that should have been enough for him to at least like, even if he was rusty, he should have come in at least healthy, you know? Well, and, and to and, your point, like, you know, Davis has never really been a consistent person that's been healthy throughout his whole career. I mean, even when he was in New Orleans, he he had ton of, tons of injury issues, you know. And when he's healthy, he's not healthy. That's the thing, you know. And and, and then the, my last criticism with him in terms of like a franchise cornerstone is his tendency to completely no-show about one out of every five playoff games is bizarre. And, and, and that's one thing that I, that I don't know if it, I don't know if it stems from playing with LeBron and somehow, you know, LeBron's heliocentrism being a problem, or I don't know. I don't, I honestly don't know what it is, but that, that would be my, my one other thing, but both of those things, the injury stuff and the, uh, and the, you know, well, well, rather what Raj was saying, the lack of playmaking and his tendency to no show playoff games having LeBron with him is almost perfect because LeBron makes up for that stuff with the playmaking. And because LeBron almost always seems to sense when AD's not mentally there and he tries to make up for it. We saw a lot of that last year in the postseason. If you remember AD would just be completely loafing around in the first half and LeBron would have 30 before halftime, you know, and and I, I think that, I think that the pairing works, but the injury stuff he's got to figure out. Because this is going to be a, a season that got derailed by an AD injury here. That's basically what's happening here. And and this is one out of two now. You know what I mean? Yeah, but to be fair, I mean, he played. Uh, Tanner, we appreciate you. We kind of bring some other yeah. speakers here. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. And Alexander, Alexander, can you hear us? The only thing I'll say on AD is, like, he played 70 games consistently, I think, the previous three before last year. Last year, he also played, I think, like, 70 games or something. He just goes down a lot. He scares us a lot. He has a lot of, like 
you know, go to the locker room, get it checked, come back. That's the kind of scary thing with him. And I think it's just a mentality thing. He's very, it's very easy for him to just give the ball to like Dennis Schroeder and be like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to space here. And like a quarter will go by and he took like two shots, then he'll try to get a rhythm. So that's my only thing with, uh, with AD. But Alexander, can you hear us, bro? Yeah, I can hear you guys. I can hear you What's, guys. Uh, thanks for letting me talk to you guys. Um, of course. My big thing and something I've, uh, an issue I've had all season is the Lakers shooting, right? I mean, I think we lead the league in missed wide open threes, you know, where the defender is six feet or farther away. How do we fix this? Because, you know, we ha- we're doing, we have so many people on our roster. You think of KCP, you think of Wes Matthews, Ben McLemore, where their only job is to hit hit wide open threes. It's just, for me, it's just unacceptable as a fan to watch us shoot sub 30% in playoff game after playoff game. I mean, you can't win a championship that way. I just don't know how to fix it. I'm not sure that's a venting thing. Obviously, I don't think you guys have the answers to that, but it's just frustrating to watch us brick completely wide open threes that other playoff teams are hitting with consistency. I think yeah, that's, that's, that's tough. The, go ahead, Raj. You can go first. Uh, okay. I was going to say that that's tough. Yeah, there is no real answer. Yeah, they're, they're pros. They're supposed to hit their open shots. They work on them. But like tonight, just going to use tonight as the example, like they shot it scared and you really don't have a chance if you shoot it scared, like if you can at least shoot it confidently, you can put them up, you shoot them open. I can kind of live with the misses, the passing of shots, which is kind of troubling um, going forward here. But yeah, it's tough, man. They won last year with it though, right? They struggled shooting all year. And uh, we all, we all said they'll hit them when it counts. Um, yeah, but even like the home games, I mean, not to cut you off, but like no, you mentioned ahead. earlier about, Hey, role players play better at home. Clearly Both Phoenix's teams. guys did, right? Our yeah. guys are still shooting sub, sub 30% from three at home. There's no difference yeah. home or road. I don't, I don't understand it. Like, it's just so many compl- – and we've been a bad shooting team this year. Like you mentioned last year, I don't think we've been in the top half of three-point shooting percentage in the last four or five years. I just don't get it. Like, shooters like Danny Green come here to die. Like, he was decent <laughs> in Toronto, bad here, good in Philly. Like, I just don't understand it. It's like a curse. I think uh, like a couple of things you have to understand. We as a fan base kind of have to understand, you know, first of all, this was by design. The Lakers prioritized players with defensive talent over players that could shoot. Um, The Lakers are the kind of team that was like, we're going to look for the Wesley Matthews, Alex Caruso types, not the Gary Trent Jr. types. You know what I mean? And there is a scenario here where the Lakers have all kinds of shooting and LeBron's having, you know, a ridiculous offensive season on crazy high efficiency and Anthony Davis is dunking on everybody, but they're uh, average to below average defense because none of their guards can keep anybody out of the paint. And, you know, I think that's the, the thought process there. That said, the percentages have been even lower than they should be. Like what happened last year was the Lakers were a slightly below average three point shooting team. If I remember correctly, they shot about 35% from three in the playoffs last year, which was okay. Not good. Certainly a little bit below average, but enough so that their high end defense was enough to carry them. You know what I mean? And this season, what, what the problem has been is that, the lack of shooting has actually been a problem for the first time uh, here in this postseason. Now, the important detail, and as Raj and I keep pointing out, the Lakers were up two games to one in this series and showboating in the first half of game four at home. 
you know, having fun while AD was healthy uh, because even though they could not make a damn three to save their life. So everything at the end of the day, it might get simplified down to shooting. It might get simplified down to X role player had a bad, a bad day. What it, what it really is, is this team was built around LeBron and AD physically pulverizing you. And half of that unit is gone. And the other half, like the, what was the whole plan going into this series? We just need to beat the Suns because AD is the guy that they can't guard we just need to give LeBron time to get his legs back. And we said he, he's got like five weeks before that Clippers series. So that's five weeks for him to get back in shape. And the whole thing got thrown off because the guy that was supposed to carry us through that point, AD, got hurt. And now the guy that's not ready yet has all the responsibility. So like it, uh, the role players making shots is certainly a, a part of it, but it's, the, it's kind of by design and the Lakers were winning this series without making threes at one point. Yep, I, I agree with that. And, like, you have to win the paint battle. You have to win the free throw battle. You have to win the rebounding. Like, if you're not – if you're getting outscored from three and they're not in this series, Phoenix isn't shooting that great from three either. And I think that's just by design as well. The Lakers want to run them off the three, make Booker and Chris Paul take contested tough shots, don't put them on the line, and live with kind of eight and scoring at the rim. And they've done that to an extent before tonight's – you know, total meltdown, and then that second half in Game Four, they've kind of done that. They've been in every other every other game, um, and the three point shooting just has not given them any margin of error to work with. That's the sad part, and you're right to be frustrated with it. Um, pros should hit their open shots, but this is a defensive minded team. They they were built around a defense, and LeBron and AD, like Jason said, kind of just being destroyer of worlds. And one of them's not there, and one of them doesn't look like himself yet. So that's that's the trouble part with it, man. And then. Uh, we hope those shots go down. KCP didn't play last game. He didn't look like himself tonight either. He's our main shooter, right? He's not an elite shooter, but, you know, he's a guy when he's open was supposed to be a knockdown three-point shooter. He was shooting, what, 50% from three for, like, the first month and a half from th- this season. If you remember, Caruso was shooting, like, 50% from three to start yep. this season. Like, we were hitting, like, ex- extremely um, big-time open shots. And uh, from there, they've really cooled off. And the playoffs, you're supposed to hit your open looks to free up the stars. That's the whole point of it. That's the whole point of spacing. That's the whole point to get LeBron going. Once LeBron gets attacking the rim, he gets people in foul trouble. It's just this like dynamism that kind of isn't there because of the open shots not going. People want LeBron to drive. There's nowhere to go. Aiden is sitting at the paint. Jay Crowder is sitting in help. They're helping one pass away. They do not care. And our shooters can't burn them. Um, and that's, that's what's happening. Uh, Alexander, yeah, but thank, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. Thank bro. you, Alexander. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on, man. I'm surprised no one has asked about um, Trez yet. It's, it's kind of kind of funny. There's a lot of timeline talk about him. I think, you know, I could tell that this was kind of the case in Game Four. I think Trez is the kind of guy that doesn't take too kindly to getting thrown in in garbage time. The way he like, it kind of <laughs> felt like the. Not that it was garbage time in game four, but I, I didn't think Trez was great in his minutes in game four. And I thought part of the reason for that is like he's a little pouty over the fact that he's out of the rotation. But the reality of the, the situation is, is Trez isn't turning this thing around. <laughs> it's going to yeah, be LeBron no, and, and role players making threes, you know? No, for sure. Yeah, I didn't think he would have made a huge difference. Maybe his energy. Uh, Jay, are you there? Can you hear us? Yeah, what's up, fellas? What's going on, man? Hey. 
just to just to answer your question, nobody's asking about Trez, bro, because everybody's depressed about Schroeder. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Um, you're right. You're right. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this. I'm, let me, tell me how you guys feel about this, right? I think going back to the lineup conversations that we were having earlier, I think personally it's too late. I think Vogel got too cute um, <clears throat> in continuing to for. I'm not saying that Drummond's the problem, but clearly. Uh, are you there? Can't hear. Jay, we lost you for a second, man. My bad, my bad, folks. Um, uh, you're good now. You're good mm-hmm. now. I don't know. I don't know where I left off, but what I was saying is, is that we got to give the Suns credit, right? Um, they're frustrating everybody on the court. They're they're baiting LeBron in the wing. Uh, they're baiting him in the corner on passes when when they're just throwing a fake double. Like I, LeBron is clearly frustrated, and part of that is the spacing. Like I, I don't want I don't want to beat a, um, a dead horse. But going back to the lineup, like I said this when when Schroeder went into the protocol, continuing to put him in the starting lineup. I know this is kind of like the nuclear option. I, I don't know if you guys know the stats since he's come back from from uh, the protocols, but he's shooting 32 percent in seven games. Like that's 10 percent oh, lower than what he shot all season. Right. He had a great season before that. I agree. Um, the problem is, is the Suns defense is really good. Right. Drummond is a negative spacer in all facets. Schroeder does not shoot the ball, right? And then you have every other wing on the on the Lakers just not taking a shot. You guys were having a conversation earlier about what was different from last year's team and this year's team, and I agree that it, it's there's a lot of moving parts and you can't um, <clears throat> you can't compare them. But my simple answer is LeBron was making every single decision. When it came down to crunch time, you had LeBron on the ball, and he was getting put in high pick and rolls. And he was making every decision. We had 16 turnovers tonight, and they scored 23 points off those turnovers. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, my question is, is, do you think that there's any value at all whatsoever to consider bringing Schroeder off the bench? To one, match campaign, who's, who's been kicking everybody's ass. Um, but two, just to put the ball in LeBron's hand and just – if we're going to take – like, I, I know we're saying that role players need to hit shots, but when you go look at the film, man – those shots aren't as open as as I think we th- we think they are when when um when we're watching mm-hmm. it live. No, no, for sure. And I think kind of Vogel agreed with you. He pulled Schroeder really early tonight, if you remember. Um, I think Schroeder got pulled with like after like five minutes. Um, he put in Gasol and Caruso for Drummond and Schroeder because he was just not playing well. And and like there's a lot of positive to him. Like I thought his season was okay but uh and it gives lebron another ball handler to where they can't just ball pressure him all night which i think they would do if you take shooter off the floor and you have lebron as the only guy dribbling and again with drummond on the floor as well there's just no space so if you run they're running ball screen action with lebron and drummond and he's trying to you know put the guy on his back um put the guy in jail and attack the rim and there's no space there shooter you know the theory of shooter was supposed to you know, give a guy to give uh, to be a pick and roll partner with AD, a guy who's a lethal scorer that you have to kind of um, defend in the paint as well, a guy that puts pressure on the rim. And he's just none of those things right now. And and I just don't know if the COVID thing impacted. He had two really good games. I talked about it earlier. Game two and game three, we don't win without him. We just don't. Um, but the COVID thing, I mean, it sucked. He went into protocol right before the season ended. He just did not have enough time with, you know, Drummond, uh, LeBron, AD this season. Maybe that's what it is, but, you know, maybe they do put him on the bench. I, I I was caping for more Caruso minutes. He's one of the guys that didn't look scared tonight to shoot, which um, which says something, which is sad that it says something, but it does. 
Um, he's one of the guys that kind of pulled. So uh, there may be, I just think it might be too late for that. Like you said, to, to bring him off the bench. I don't know how much that helps killing his confidence in the process. Right. So you bring off the bench. Now maybe you put Caruso in, you get a little bit better from the starters, but then you get, you get maybe nothing from him. Maybe he just goes into a mental blockade. So I don't know where to go with that. That's a thin line. What do you think, Jason? That's what I was going to say too, is just at this point in the season back against the wall, making that change is it just the risk to reward factor is low. I mean, you can, you could effectively bench him by having him start, but then pulling him quickly and then bringing him in when LeBron goes to the bench mm-hmm. uh, and then t- attempt to try to salvage whatever that is. But I don't know. I, it'll be really interesting to see what happens in game six. It'll be interesting to see if the rotation expands as he just starts throwing stuff at the wall or if he shrinks it down to like seven guys or eight guys and goes down with the ship, so to speak. Um, you know, there's a bunch of different options there. Like I, like I said earlier, I'd like to see them go small a little bit, um, but just just because Aiton has a tendency when he feels like he's in a crowd, he'll give the ball up. So if you rotate fast enough, I think you can, I think you can still have some success defensively. But I don't know. I mean, th- at this point, uh, like if 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 guys don't start playing to their potential, meaning role players don't start hitting at least league average when when they're wide open, Dennis Schroeder doesn't like Dennis Schroeder has to be better than campaign. Like if campaign's going to be better than Dennis Schroeder, you're losing the series. That's just the reality of the situation. Like, and, and if you don't like you, they're they're capable of playing much better defense than they did tonight too. And I don't know. They're, they're, we've kind of touched on it all already tonight. But I, I think at this point, the only real starting lineup move to to make would be to start Gasol in hopes of opening up some driving lanes at the beginning of the game. Yeah, I agree with that. That's the that's the change I wanted to see. I wanted to see Gasol kind of starting give LeBron space early. It just felt like I, we talked about it earlier, but you know, once they brought Gasol in, the game was kind of over. Sadly, like Devin Booker had it going. The crowd was going crazy. They were already down, I think 10, 11 points. Um, and by that time, Phoenix built all their confidence. They weren't missing anything. They were getting all the calls rightfully. They were the more physical team. Um, they were getting everything going their way. Every offensive rebound went their way, every loose ball. And I think it was too late. You need to get LeBron going, get his scoring going, maybe get the team going that way. Um, but yeah, I, d- I don't know. Benching Schroeder, man, that, that's a tough decision that has a lot of implications, I think, just not just the helping the starters, but it might hurt him. And they need him in the series. Even if AD plays, they need his offense, man. He can't score like this. They need 20 from him, like, in an in a efficient way as well. And he also needs to be playmaking. He can't be turning the ball over. Tonight, he just drove with just no, like, no, I don't know how to explain it. Like, just there was no decision-making. He just drove and decided... I'm going to shoot here. And Mikhail Bridges sent him to the third row, I think three times. Um, and he got punked by campaign campaign is like outplaying Chris Paul in some parts. Like that's a tough guy to outplay right now, but uh, that's, that's where I see with shooter, man. I, I don't know where else to go with that. Yep. We're on uh, the same page. Jay, I appreciate you, man. We're going to get uh let's get one more person and then we're going to kind of call it. I think we've been going here for over an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Um, let's see. Jay, appreciate you, man. Uh, Thanks, man. Good luck, fellas. See, uh, Lakers all the. I think it says Lakers all the way. Yeah. yeah hi. How you doing, man? Good. How are you, Ross? How are you, Jason? Doing, doing well, man. Good, man. So I was like, I think you said earlier in the in the 
space that like you're talking about like a song in it, how Drummond, because like you said, like we were down double figures. I just want to point out that like the game was 10 10 when oh. Drummond was in, and then like oh, okay. it really fell off. Like, because I was noticing like in the game, like the Suns really started like they were started attacking his slow feet. Like Chris Paul, you had Booker, they were all For like, sure. playing. like they really started targeting, and then like that's when like I saw like the Suns offense got going. Yeah. Uh, for sure, you know, I just felt like the the momentum. Maybe I, I guess I remembered it. It felt like we were down more at that time, but I I feel like their momentum was kind of already building. I think we started up like seven nothing or something like that. I think they went on like a fourteen zero run um, that coincided with the Gasol minutes as well. But yeah, I just felt like the game was kind of ended. LeBron was already kind of tired. He saw his teammates were already scared to shoot. Um, yeah, that's why I meant kind of PCP kind of like yeah they were they were not taking the open shots. Absolutely, yeah. I thought that uh, I thought that like early in the game, the Lakers defended pretty well in that first six minute stretch, and then you could just see kind of like as the role players started missing shots, and as LeBron's like kind of like let's see if I got my jumper going tonight type of shots as they weren't going in. I think the belief left, and when the belief left, the defense slipped, and then when the defense slipped, it was over. Yep. I, I agree with that, man. There's a, hopefully in game six, they start off a little bit better. Um, it's not as lopsided after after the first quarter. Yeah, I think uh, this game really fell off defensively. Hopefully everyone plays harder and then the role players play better so we can get game six. Absolutely, man. I agree. Uh, appreciate you, man. All right, Thank guys. You. Thanks. All right. All right, everybody, Raj and I are going to get some sleep. I'm going to quickly convert the uh, the recording of this to a podcast for you guys to check out if you didn't hear the thing in its entirety. Raj and I were both very angry in the first half, or whatever our version of angry is. We did our, our own little event, uh, event sesh at the beginning of this, um, so you guys will be able to, to go back and listen to it. And um, uh, The Thursday pod is going to be a little tricky for me because I'm flying out of Phoenix and I may or may not be in a car. So depending on how good the cell service is, I'm going to try to hop on with Raj to do a post-game show. Um, but uh, worst case scenario, I'm sure we'll be able to figure something out. Thank you guys all so yeah. much as always uh, uh, for your support. And uh, and hopefully we have more than one more game to cover this season. Appreciate everyone. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out.